All right. God bless you guys. I bless you guys. I got up here to uh, introduce our, our guest speaker for tonight and pray over um, the offering. I'm going to kind of put them both um, in one. This next gentleman uh, that is coming to the stage is actually a really, really good friend of mine. And he's been in this house before um, years ago. And he has an, just an incredible word. His parents are pastors. He's been a, a minister in their church for I think since he was like 16 years old. So he's got a lot of wisdom. Um, and I believe that God has shared a word. We've been talking offline for several months about um, the things that he wants to share and that God has been putting on his heart. So if you are a note taker, please get your pens out. Please get ready to to experience an incredible word. And right after I pray from Minister Charles Jones, you could give him a hand. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for the time of the word. I pray over Charles, God, that you just will anoint him, Lord God, that you will mold his lips of clay, Lord God, to speak what you want to speak, Father. And God, we just also just bless you for the offering that came forth, Lord God, for those people who gave and who didn't have it to give, Lord. I just pray that you will multiply the seed to the sower. Give us more seed to sow into your kingdom because we believe that it is good ground. So I pray that as we hear your word, Lord, that you would just break up the fallow ground in our heart and just plant a seed from heaven. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's welcome Charles Jones to the stage. How y'all doing? That's good. Man. I like song, ain't it? Um, I'll be good. My pops does this all the time. I'm like, the camera needs to see you, pops. The light got to be on. And he be like, I can't see y'all, though. So that's how I feel right now. Um, I I don't have much time, so I'm going to um, get started. But I'm glad to be here. Um, I love you guys. And, uh, you know, I wish you guys were broadcasting on Ustream every Saturday so I could uh, actually... Uh, you know, here you guys. What's up, Ron? I'm going to start shouting people out. You guys got celebrities in the house. What's up, Michelle? <laughs> Where'd Danny go? Um, yeah, I'm from Lancaster. We don't really have too many celebrities out there. Um, but uh, y'all pray for my iPad. Everybody stretch on there. My guy move fast. <laughs> uh all right, so I'm going to just go because Kelvin already gave me the time limit. And um, I got some things that I believe God, uh, that ain't true. That ain't true. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. All right, so I'm going to pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your presence in this house. We thank you that we're not waiting for you to show up, but that you're already here. And because you're already here, we can expect the great. We can expect the miraculous. We can expect lives changed tonight. Come in and just renew our hearts tonight. Renew our minds. Teach us something tonight. Uh, we're ready. We're at the table with our forks and our knives ready to go. And we just receive from you tonight, Holy Spirit. You be the teacher tonight. I'm simply the vessel. I'm just speaking on your behalf tonight. So my own thoughts, my own opinions don't really matter right about now. But I seek to say that which you have me to say tonight. So Holy Spirit, speak through me. Think through my mind. Speak through my mouth. I thank you that the hearts are receptive, that the minds are alert tonight, Father God. And we just give you praise for that. We thank you that the word will fall on good ground. 
And we thank you uh, that because of this, the enemy truly will not be able to steal that which we have tonight. So reveal to our hearts tonight, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I have a... Uh, I have a wonderful lady in my life um, who God has blessed me with. I just want to, um, you know, take time to acknowledge her for coming out, Yvonne. Um, thank you for supporting me tonight. Because of this wonderful lady, I told you guys I live in Lancaster, California. That's like 50 miles that way. Um, she lives in Carson. And so, you know, we got to, we do a lot of uh, commuting and, you know, going back and forth and stuff. And, um... One of the things that happens is uh, I have to sleep somewhere because sometimes the drive is too long. And so what ends up happening is um, I call Kelvin. I got a list of friends because I don't want to wear them out, you know. Um, so I go through my line like, all right, uh, March 5th, I slept at his house. And then, you know, just go through it and make sure. So you don't want to, you know, ex overdo your welcome, you know. So this weekend I stayed at uh, Kelvin's house, Pastor Kelvin. And um, my man Jackson... Um, decided to visit me last night. I thought Miss Denise had uh, actually put him to sleep, but somehow he was still, like, as soon as you left, he woke up. And he was out just having conversations with me. It's like 1 a.m. in the morning, and you could tell his parents are, like, you know, artists and stuff, because he, he just got them hours, you know. And so, <laughs> so Jackson comes, he's talking to me, and, man, it was something in him that I hadn't uh, seen before. And I had seen it in smaller stages, but it seems like every time I come around him, he's just growing and growing and growing. Um, I got to cut this story short because I want to actually open the Bible. And then so what ends up happening is I go in and I talk to Kelvin this morning. He cuts my hair. Jackson comes in. He's like, hey, Chuck, you want to see uh, Jackson? He's, he's a stuntman. And I'll show you. And he, he, he brings Jackson in. And he's like, Jackson, go ahead and show him, boy. Show him. And uh, Jackson's going around uh, doing his little... Uh, high-speed chase, like, runaway scene, and then he, like, falls off his bike. He falls off his bike, and he gets up, and Kelvin's like, nah, you got to stay there, lay like you're dead. Like, you got to pretend like you sleep. <laughs> and so he's going through, and what's actually happening, I'm watching this, I'm like, dang, like, when I first met Kelvin, he was, he was a goofball, but now he's, like, a father, and he's truly being a father. And one of the things that I was looking at with Kelvin was he was actually as you guys just stated earlier, he was empowering Jackson to be able to affect and change his atmosphere. And tonight I want to talk about empowering, that, that voice that comes from the Father that is empowering and affirming. Go over to uh, Matthew chapter 3. Kelvin, I talked to him, I said, what are you guys talking about? He said, man, we're building, we're building, we're building. There's a scripture that says, no man sets out to build without first counting the cost. He needs to go and make sure they have sufficient enough to build, lest in the end he doesn't have enough and people begin to laugh. Whenever we decide that we're going to build something, we have to make sure that we look and evaluate the things that we're building with, right? The, the, the resources, the things, the elements that we're using to actually bring this thing together. Now, <clears throat> my life has truly, uh, as Kelvin said, I, I, I've been, my family, they pastors, and I've been in church forever. You know, they, they say I was a drug baby. Um, after my parents would dra dra uh, drag me to church, you know, one of those things. <laughs> I figured I need to clarify. <laughs> you guys didn't laugh originally, so. Um, but 
they would they would drag me to church and and eventually it was no more really dragging it was kind of like me and my brother was dragging them like we you know we wanted to be in the house of God and we really found a love for God at an early age and what ended up happening was um <clears throat> I've been in church for a long time so I've seen so much I've seen a lot of different things and um I've really uh desired to to reveal the father because I truly believe that if people actually got to know God for who he is and, and how he truly is, that they would actually really fall in love with him. Um, there's, uh, what's his name? Gandhi said, I like your Christ, I just don't like your Christians, right? And I feel like a lot of people, uh, they have a, 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 a skewed view of God. They don't actually understand the Father. And I feel like a lot of that has to do because we don't actually understand uh, this Bible. Now go over to, I told you guys to go to Matthew, but go over to uh, 2 Timothy because I need to back up really quick. I have been in a series at my church. I have been in a series at my church entitled Rightly Dividing. And in this series, um, it has dramatically changed my life. Rightly Dividing has taken on, um, if, if anyone's ever heard me preach, and you heard me last year, I was teaching on this series. This is a whole nother year, and I'm still teaching in a series called Rightly Dividing. I have different subtitles, but I, it's always the same series. And in this series, what happened is I was studying, and I've heard this scripture all the time. It says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, I've always heard that scripture, and I've always thought, well, you know what? I need to uh, do my diligence, my due diligence, and get in the word and study. But what God showed me one day when I opened up the scripture, you guys there, 2 Timothy 2? I just said it. I don't even know why I'm going over here. But you guys went over there, so I wanted to read it with you. Verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, what happened is God said, check this out in the Greek. And I know... I don't know if everybody knows, but the Bible was not written in English. We get that, right? It was written in another language. And so sometimes our English, our English actually waters down the true meaning of what's actually taking place. And so sometimes it's, it's very appropriate to go back and actually check out the Greek and find out what was being said or check out the Hebrew. Well, when I did that, I found that rightly dividing meant to make a straight cut. Literally... It didn't mean to properly interpret it. It was actually giving me the ingredients for how I would be able to properly interpret the word. Because God is a God that has always dealt with man according to covenants. A lot of people will say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Or God is, you know, he says this one time and he says something over here the next time and it's all different. Well, what happens is we haven't found out where these dividing marks are at. Because how many know you've worked in one job in the same type of industry, but from company to company, there's different contracts, there's different things. And when you get into that new company, even though you might have been doing some of the same things, they have procedures and different things that are different than the last place you were just at. You guys got that? So what ends up happening is if you don't take a, a look at the new details of this covenant or this contract, because that's what it was. It was a contract. It was a covenant that he made. Then you will end up uh, being ashamed. You'll end up being ashamed. And so what I had to do is I had to look. I had to step back and say, OK, this is what's happening. There is a dramatic shift. Now, um, for the sake of time. I need to tell the story. So we start with Genesis. How many know about Adam? We heard about Adam. Everybody heard about Adam, right? 
uh, Eve. We know about Eve, right? Well, from Adam on to Moses, there is a, a time period that we have with God that, that, that is kind of similar to the time period we're in now, um, minus uh, the fact that Jesus has come in and some other things, and he's changed us. We're actually new creatures. But what has happened is God was dealing with man in a certain way from Adam to Moses. Then from Moses all the way up to Jesus, we have God dealing with man in a certain way. Now, what we call that, there's two main covenants in Scripture. The two main covenants are the old covenant and the new covenant. Now, we are under or in the new covenant. We are under a new covenant. The Bible says that we have been given a new covenant with better promises. It actually is better. And so one of the things that God has had me doing is getting into this scripture and finding out the differences between these two covenants. Here's one that's really quick that I could say. I've been to churches and I've heard preachers preach. He said, you know what? If you do not forgive your brother, God will not forgive you. How many have heard that? How many know where that's from? It's in Matthew, right? Jesus is actually talking and he's saying, if you do not forgive your brother, your father will not forgive you. Now, Um, In your Bibles, when does the New Testament start? Matthew, right? That's what my Bible says. It starts in Matthew. But uh, the Bible doesn't actually, actually the New Covenant doesn't actually start in Matthew. Perfect. I'm trying to check the room to see where I need to go at. Covenant is another name for testament or will. How many have ever had a family member die or heard of someone die? They leave behind what they call a will, right? In that will are details and, and, and promises and, and privileges that are available. There's an inheritance that's tied to that will. And how many know that will does not come into effect until the death of that person? So Jesus came in introducing a new covenant. He began to speak about a new covenant. He began to talk about a new covenant. But this new covenant does not actually enter in until the death and resurrection of Christ. So when Christ actually died, resurrected, then we got into this place of the new covenant. And what happens is when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when you read through these gospels, you begin to see two things that are happening. Jesus came doing two things. One, he is fulfilling the old covenant. At the same time, he is bringing us into the new covenant. He's trying to prepare us for what he's about to do that's different. Now, when you go through Matthew, you will see that there are actually uh, times where he will say, uh, if you do not forgive your father, your, your, uh, your brother, your heavenly father will not forgive you. But if you get over to Colossians chapter 2, uh, let me not say, let's just try it. Colossians, because I, I want to make sure I'm giving you guys scripture while I'm um, talking about some of this. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, chapter 3. Kelvin told me to uh, speak last night, so uh, I had like I've had 12 messages since then. Like, I have to figure out exactly what God wants me to say. And um, I'm good with that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, even 
If any man have quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, he just said to forgive other people as Christ has forgiven you. On this side of the cross, let's make this the podium. On this side of the cross, if we can simplify the old covenant, the old covenant worked like this. You do something so that God can do something. You forgive so that I can forgive you. On this side of the covenant, it's I forgave you. Now you do what I have done. On this side, you do something. I'm requiring something from you. And on this side, I will respond to what you do. On this side, it's you. I have done this. Now you respond to what I have done. So what has happened is God has forgiven us. He made the move first and then empower. What, what he really does is he empowers us to be able to do what he did. See, a lot of people here, uh, if, you love, uh, if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. And they'll make it seem like, well, dog, you don't love God because you ain't keeping his commandments. Do his commandments and prove how much you love him. It's the other way around. If you love me, you'll have no problem doing what I say. It's like Kelvin and, um, and Danielle. Danielle could have a bunch of standards and a bunch of rules and all types of things that, that she would want from Kelvin. But if Kelvin is just responding to rules and a bunch of lists, then it's really not necessarily love. Or it could be, but it has not been put in the right environment to prove that it's love. So what God had to do was he had to create the right environment. You guys were singing about freedom earlier. He had to create the right environment, take off the restrictions of the law, and bring us into the place where truly the heart can be revealed. And so through relationship, that's where the change comes. So I have no problem following a God that I have relationship with. It's not a bunch of rules. It's actually what I have desired in my heart because of the relationship. There's ways that I want to be around God. There's things that I want to do around God, things I want to do for God because I, I love him. Now, we know about this because when we were young, we sung a song. Uh, <clears throat> we, <laughs> we love Jesus because he did what? <laughs> because he first loved us. I'm trying to simplify this because I don't have a lot of time, but I'm trying to simplify this, that on this side of the cross, in the new covenant, it is what Christ has done for us and then our response to what he has done for us. On this side, it was about what you do and what you do not do. And then I will respond to you. Everybody with me so far? All right. So on this side, you forgive so that I can forgive you. On this side, I forgive and now you forgive others. Now, I said the heart of the father because the father, his whole, uh, I feel like he has got a bad rap. And most of it came from 2,000 years of this law relationship. From Moses onto, onto Jesus, and actually the Bible says the law and the prophets, and you guys will have to like write stuff down because I don't have time to turn. But write these down, check up on me. I'll give you my Twitter, my, my phone number. you be like, that ain't a scripture. Like, the Bible says the law and the prophets was until John. What this means is that the law and the prophets had a mission. 
It had an assignment. It had something that it was supposed to be doing, and that was stopping at John, John the Baptist. The law and the prophets was until John. Then it says, since that day, the kingdom is preached, and everyone presses into it. Now, what, what was the mission of the law and the prophets? Well, if you read it and you go through it, most of it is about telling you about yourself. You really read it and you see how upset, how bad, how, how, how just discombobulated you actually are. Because what actually happens, let's go over to Romans chapter 5. We'll turn here. We're still talking about the, the heart of the Father. I truly believe that people get to know God, they'll fall in love with him. But what has happened is we, we've misrepresented God. We've presented a God that, that, that actually didn't even desire to show himself this way. But he needed to because of the situation that man was in. Now, I'm going to show you something really quick. In Romans 5, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Right? We've heard that scripture. We've all sinned. Because of what Adam has done, we actually enter into this situation where we are all sinners, even before we actually even did anything to deserve it. But because of what Adam did, we're in this position. Now, let's keep reading. It says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now, let me explain this. There were things that were going, that they were doing that was wrong, but that word imputing is, it's an accounting word. And it, what's happening is he's saying that there was sin in the world, but it wasn't being held against them because there was no law against it. Does that make sense? Like when Abraham actually goes and lies about his wife being his sister, God didn't come and punish him for that, even though we know that lying is wrong. Right? He didn't punish him for it. He actually... I mean, if you read Abraham, the man just gets blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. Now, what's happening? Was lying wrong the whole time? Absolutely. But what happened was God was not holding it to their account because there was no law. Does this make sense? In our country, we have speed limits, right? But when you go over to uh, Europe, they got the Autobahn. And there ain't no speed limits on that. And you could just drive. And what happens is you have to drive with sense, with control, responsible, because there is no law. But you can still drive recklessly, drive in a way that is dangerous, even though no one is pulling you over. Does that make sense? And this is what's happening. Man was in a place where he was being destructive with his life. He was in a place where he was lost and did not have God the way that he needed. And man is thinking that he is okay. Matter of fact, right before they get the law, what happens is God brings them out of the bondage of Pharaoh and Egypt. He brings them out of Egypt and he brings them. He's actually know where he's going. He's taking them where? 
to the promised land. He's taking them to a place where there is milk and honey flowing. He's taking them to a place where there's things that they did not build. There's things that they did not work for. But he's like, I got an inheritance for you. I'm just this good. You didn't earn this. You didn't deserve this. But I'm this good. And I'm about to take you to a place. But they did not recognize the goodness of God. Therefore, he needed to let them know that you need me, that you need my goodness, that you need my love, that that you can't do this by myself, by yourself. And so what ends up happening is he gives man the law because man, man thought he was okay just driving. He didn't know he was being dangerous about it. Man didn't know. I mean, we got the movie. Who I mean, seen Noah. <laughs> All right. Well, we know the, the the Bible story about Noah, right? They was doing some wicked things to the point where God had to watch this. By His grace, had to actually save the world. See, a lot of people view God as like you know He just came and just started destroying people. How many know about amputation? Have you ever seen a place where the doctors say, you know what, in order to save this whole body, I need to amputate some things? And that's what actually happened in that situation. God, by his goodness and his mercy, came in and, in in a sense, amputated things so that he could start fresh. And that's what happened with Noah. It was an act of grace. But what ends up happening is still the Bible says, and let's keep reading. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was the figure of him that was to come. That's why I just explained to you. I said that death was reigning. There was destruction that was happening, even though they didn't know it. Why? Because there was no law to tell them that they were, they were bad. So he gives them the law, and then what happens? They find out just how bad they are. Now, he brings them out of Egypt. He brings him out of Egypt. I'm still talking about the heart of the Father. God has been good from the beginning. The very first mention that we have of God is, uh, with man is in Genesis 1:26, where he blesses man and he actually makes him in his image and after his likeness. What does that mean? He's actually given him identity. He's given him his likeness. He's given him the ability to do things that God would do. He actually gave him all of himself. And then said, you represent me in the earth. He tells them to be fruitful, to multiply, replenish the earth, subdue some things, have dominion. And as Kelvin said, we all have been given that assignment. We come in here to get empowered so that we can empower. I love the heart. I'm talking, still talking about the heart of the Father because the heart of the Father will never assign us to do anything that he hasn't first empowered or equipped us to do. So the first thing that God did was he blessed man. He blessed him. He empowered him to prosper, then told him to do it. See, sometimes we read it like go and do. But we missed the part where he equipped first. He gave everything first and then said, go and do. So we have to understand that this was God's heart from the beginning. He did not put us into mission impossible. He did not put us into this world to not succeed and to conquer and to have dominion. He did not put us in any situation to come out a loser. I preached a message one time and I said, uh, the mindset of a champion. 
I had to check myself because I had accepted a, a mindset that was less than a champion. I don't know about you, but I was in college, and there was just some courses where I was just fine getting a D. A D gets me credit, and I get to move on. There was some, I was just, if I can just get a C minus in this class, I will be happy. But what has happened is I've taken the mindset that has never been intended for me. I'm supposed to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, right? I'm, he's always causing me to triumph in everything through Christ Jesus. So God has intended for us to win. But man did not understand that he was losing, so therefore God had to give him the law. Now, contrary to what we, uh, I grew up believing, I don't know what you guys believe, but I grew up believing that God made, gave them the law to make them better. He gave them this standard of things so that he can make them better. But actually, the Bible says, let's go over to 2 Corinthians uh, 3. And I feel like I'm skipping, man. I'm giving y'all like the uh, crash course to a year-long series. Verse 1 says, Do we begin to, again, to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some other epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Now, that is a key scripture. If, if we can understand that we are never sufficient by ourselves, we are never actually good enough to qualify for anything that God has actually decided to give to us. It is never our goodness we deserve death. We deserve death. And even after we get saved, our ways still are not good enough to deserve anything else but death. The Bible says it's by grace through faith that we are saved, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. He said something. He said, lest any man should boast. And one thing I've learned about myself and man is that we like to boast. We like to say, I did this. We like to say that it was me. I I accomplished this. But Paul, he's here saying we never get in this place of thinking that the sufficiency is of ourselves. But it is always because of him. And see, I've had to learn this because Grace, a lot of people see grace as the backup plan. You know what? God has his grace. He'll clean you up and fix you up for when you mess up. Not realizing that grace is not just for when we mess up, but it's actually the thing that empowers us to do what we need to do. Because grace is two parts. It's both covering and it's empowering. And so God's grace is always what is pushing me to accomplish what I'm accomplishing. It's never myself. Now, the hardest part about that is just receiving that it's not about me. It's about him. Because I like to get in the way. I like to boast. 
Where do we get this from? We got this from Adam. Adam was made in the image and the likeness of God. The devil comes and he speaks to Eve and says what? If you eat of this tree, you will be just like God. What happened? God supplied who they were, made them in the image and the likeness. Then the enemy comes in and says, look, you can do something to get this. They des- it was a desire to actually do something. A desire to actually, you guys understand what I'm trying to say? It's, it's us trying to boast in ourselves. And this is always the trick of the enemy. So I wanted to stay there because our sufficiency is never of ourselves. It's never of ourselves. Verse 6 says, who has also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth light. See, as I said earlier, the Ten Commandments were not given to actually make us holy. They were actually given to kill us. They were actually given to bring about death. They were actually given to actually let us know that here's God's standard and you do not meet it. Here's what I desire from you and you do not meet it. So what does this mean? You need me. Since the beginning, God has had a plan to send his son in to redeem. Matter of fact, it says before the foundations of the world, the lamb was slain. So God had this taken care of from the beginning. The problem is, is I will never reach up if I don't realize that I'm down. And we cannot receive the Savior until we understand that we need saving. So the whole purpose of the law was to let them know that you need me. You need me. You need me. You need me. Because God knew what I got for you is better than what you can ever supply. You can't bring yourself out of Egypt. You can't bring yourself from Pharaoh's bondage. You can't bring yourself into a land with giants. You can't bring yourself into a land where everything's already provided for. And this is what God has been working with me with. The father has a, has, has, has a mindset to, to really reveal to me his true heart. His true heart has always been the promised land. His true heart has always been to empower and to equip me to be able to succeed. When I was watching Pastor Kelvin, I watched as he told Jackson he could do it. He told Jackson everything about who he was so that in Jackson, he just, I'll do it again, daddy. I'll do it again, daddy. He was ready to just go and to go and to go. And what has happened is because we have not properly understood the heart of the father because we haven't rightly divided the covenants. We end up getting a a different view of him. I've heard people say, go over to Isaiah 54. What's my time, Kevin? All right. Isaiah 54. The law and the prophets was until John. Since that day, the kingdom is preached and everyone presses into it. What happens here in Isaiah chapter 54 is he begins to declare what's going on, and how he's feeling, and he begins to speak about a new covenant that's coming. Now, I want to point this out because I hear people say, God was mad at you because you did that. You know what? God hates that. You know what? God's going to knock you upside your head because of what you just did. How many have ever heard that or thought that? There's things that I've done, and it's like, ooh, make sure the lightning ain't about to strike. But what has happened is I've taken a mindset from the other side of the cross. 
Because on this side of the cross, like I said, when, I, when we changed jobs, the rules changed. The contract changed. And let me show you one of these things. Verse 6. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and wife of youth. When thou wast refused, said thy God. For a small moment, everybody say a small moment. I have forsaken thee. But then he says here, but with great mercies will I gather thee. Here it says, in a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, everybody say everlasting kindness. He said little wrath. He said moment, and he said everlasting kindness. Notice that the kindness is on the side of everlasting. His goodness is on the side of everlasting. His anger was on the side of but a moment. I'm hiding my face but a moment. I'm forsaking you just for a moment. But what's actually going to take place is with everlasting kindness, this is how I'm going to treat you. He says in verse 9, he says, watch this, for this as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Now, how many seen a rainbow before in their life? Raise your hand. We know what that rainbow means, right? It was a prompt, it was a sign from God that what would happen? He would never again flood the earth, right? Now, that rainbow has been consistent from the beginning until now, right? We still see it. That's, he's saying, he's trying to give a comparison because they understood that concept. They understood how good of a contract or covenant he made with Noah. They understood that. And so what's, in the, what's happening now is he's saying the same way that I made this covenant, where I said I would never flood, I'm saying I will never be angry with you again. I will never again hide my face. I will never again forsake you. I will never again rebuke you. So when we begin to say things like God's angry with you, I'm like, which side of the cross are you on? Which side of the cross are you on? Are you on this side where but a moment? Or have you stepped into the everlasting kindness? Now, why can't he do all this? Because of Christ. Because God is a God that is just. God is a God that, that, that he's not just like, oh, you know what? I'll just wave that off. You know, it'd be cool. What he has done is he literally punished his son for everything that we could possibly do. That's why he's not going to punish us. How many know about double jeopardy? Our country understands this. You can't be tried twice for the same thing. Well, Jesus stepped in and was tried, found guilty for everything that I should have been made guilty for. Therefore, what has happened now is he can't now come back and say you're guilty because I'm, I'm not guilty. Why? Because he made Jesus guilty. You guys get that? Now, I just read, and you can go look through Romans 5. It, begin, it continues to talk about what happened with Adam. And then it says, in the same way, actually, I, excuse me, it says much more. If we understand that when Adam sinned, all became sinners, then when Christ kept it, 
When he completed it, then we all received righteousness. For those that have received Christ, we are actually new creatures. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the reason why God cannot be angry with us is because we're new. We look just like his son. Uh, It says that as, as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we. This is how God constantly looks at you, at you, at you. So at no point should I ever feel like my daddy isn't loving me. My daddy doesn't care about me. My daddy has forsaken me. Now, if you understand, write down Matthew 6, because I'm going to finish this up. Matthew 6, Jesus introduces a new concept. Because when you go through scripture, God as a father was never understood. Matter of fact, when Jesus started talking about him being the son and him and the father being one, they called it blasphemy. Because in their minds, you could not equate yourself with the father. There's no relationship here. You're calling yourself equal. That not nah, God is too holy. But what Jesus says, the disciples, they hear him pray and they say, hey, teach us to pray. And he said, pray in this way. Our father, which art in heaven. This is a huge mindset switch, a huge mindset change to think of God as a father. But he's trying to illustrate what has literally taken place, that I am no longer distant from you. I'm no longer hiding my face. I'm no longer treating you like a slave or like a servant, but you are now a son. And the son automatically receives the inheritance of the father. And we're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. We have everything that Christ has. Every, everything that belongs to Christ belongs to me. Everybody say that. Say it one more time. Last time. I have the same things that belong to Christ. It belongs to me. Now, the heart of the father is this. And we end right here. Matthew 3. In Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus really, he, uh, he was on the low for a while. But right here, he steps out into his, his ministry. He becomes public. And, and, and some things happen. He goes into the wilderness next, and he goes to a wedding and turns uh, water into grape juice, depending on what church you go to. Because they won't tell you that it was wine. It's not, it, we wouldn't know alcohol. <laughs> Nah, it was alcohol. He shows up right here, and let's go to the end of it. Verse 13, it says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and cometh thou to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus was And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and, lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And, lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The voice of the Father says, This is my Son, and I'm pleased with him. 
And the voice of the Father today tells us that you are my, my son, and I'm pleased with you. This is the same voice that he wants to, to say to us. It's the same words that he wants to declare to us. Now watch this. Go over to Matthew 4. Because I truly believe that sin is not the problem. Identity crisis is the problem. Because, watch this, we were made in the image and after the likeness. If you see a dog, do you expect a dog to meow? You expect them to do what? To bark. Inside of the thing, the identity actually reveals the behavior. It's, it's already in it. And what happens is man will behave differently or actually accordingly to what he views himself as. And if we can understand that we are God's son. Now, son, uh, I know there's women in here, you know, I, I get that stuff. But look, check this. It has to do with position. It has to do with inheritance. So we're, we're all sons of God, even though we're, you know, there's no male or female in Christ. So verse, verse 1, because here's what the enemy did, and this is, um, man, I'm not doing y'all any justice because I'm, 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 I'm really cutting back. Verse 1 says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said this, if thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. Satan is coming the same way that he came to the first Adam. Coming, questioning the identity. Because Satan can only do, the enemy can only do to us anything that we allow him to do and we will only allow him to do things uh, if we understand who we are we won't allow him to do things differently for instance you know a girl you can see you, she might be going through this or a dude might be going through this and you could tell they don't know who they are someone needs to talk to them and tell them who they are you're better than that right and you speak to them and then they begin to look you know what i am better i am different i am empowered i am loved I, and they begin to act differently it's this same principle when i know who i am i will live that out so what the enemy tries to do is to challenge us and figure out, do we actually know who we are? And he does this in all types of ways. And this is why I love this house. I love this church, because as I sat back and I prepared, like I changed my message like 12 times. The reason was, was because, you know what? I need to just talk about who you are. Because I watch Kelvin, he does it to his natural child and then brings it in here. When I first met this dude, he's like, he's like, God has a plan for your life. That was, that was his statement. You sit in his barber chair, you're like, God has a plan for your life. And he would begin to speak identity into you. He would begin to speak vision and dreams into you. He would begin to pull out that which God has already placed inside. And image is first. Likeness follows. If I ever come back, I, I'll complete this and, I, and I, I'll take us to the other side. Because what God had to do was he had to sh- reveal image. Now we have a son who is actually in a place where he what? He, he understands who he is. Enemy comes to 
trap him the same way he trapped Adam. And what happens? He says, if thou be the son of God. And that's the question that he's always going to ask you. If you're the son, if you are the one who God loves, if you are the one who God is well pleased with, if you are really saved from this, if you are really delivered from this, if you are really whatever it may be, if you're really healed, if you're really uh, prosperous, if you're really creative, if you're really whatever, he's coming to challenge that identity. And we have to make sure that we are secure in the Father's love. So what Jesus does is he actually, he, he doesn't fall for any of it. He doesn't take any of the bait. He doesn't do this. The question was, if thou art the son of God, do something. Make something happen. Actually, watch this. Prove it. You actually prove that you are the son of God. And to the very last part of Jesus' ministry, as he's on the cross, there were people that began to mock him. Because the enemy knows if he can get him to get into himself, into his flesh, then what ends up happening is he can get access. And so at the end of the cross, he's there. He said, if, if you are the son of God, take yourself off of this cross. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's trying to get him to question his identity. At the very end of his ministry, he's trying to get him to question his identity. And Kelvin said, you guys are building. And to build properly, you have to start with the right blueprint. And if we can understand that Jesus is the blueprint, what belongs to Jesus belongs to me. What was provided for Jesus was provided to me. If he's not mad at Jesus, he's not mad at me. Why? Because he's seeing me through his son. It's no longer me by myself. Jesus has taken everything, and now I have received everything that he has. The heart of the Father is to affirm you while the enemy comes to break you down and to do everything opposite. And, and, and I'm telling you guys, when you guys hear anything opposite of the goodness of God, of, of how good he is, turn it down. Don't even fall for the trap. All right? I thank y'all for y'all time. Um, I, I literally, uh, I literally, uh, oh, man, I literally, uh, man, gave y'all on a crash course. If anybody has any questions, anyone want to be like, that wasn't in the Bible, Chuck? Like, let me know, because I, I, I know I, I dragged y'all through, like, really quick on some things. There's two differences between the cross. This side of the cross looks like this. This side of the cross looks like this. And when you rightly divide the word, you will begin to find out that God has been good this whole time. God bless y'all. Amen. Amen. I told y'all. I tried... I try to tell y'all, y'all thought I was going to introduce an old man. I was like, this 20-something-year-old, man, wisdom, man, wisdom. In fact, does anybody have any questions? Yeah. 661-209-1718. 661-209-1718. Charles Jones. MFBentertainment.com. MFB, my father's business, entertainment.com. 
Is it okay that I give out your personal cell phone number? <laughs> I should have. Uh, it's, no, it's on the internet. I just live streamed it to the world. <laughs> it's on Facebook. Okay. Any questions? Amen. Amen. Anybody want to receive Christ today? We talked about both sides of the cross. Anybody want to get on this side? You've been on that side and it's not been working for you. You've been on that side and, and you find yourself constantly in the need of a savior. Salvation is here tonight. If you want to get saved, we want to celebrate with you. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my sister. Amen. God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life. Amen. If you if you want if you've been in a place and you like, yo, I, I like this young lady. I know that I need to get it right. And I want to step out in boldness and I want to receive Christ or or get get my my path back get back on the right path. And if you're here tonight and you say, man, I've been, I've been dating this church. I've been, I've been in courtship with the living room and, uh, and I'm ready to make it official. It's a new month. It's April. We've been dating for three months, for four months. I've been dating this church and, uh, and I'm ready to make a move if you're ready to make a move. So if that's you tonight and you want to, uh, Join the living room. You want to become a part of this ministry, just come on down. We want to receive you. I believe that God is going to grow this church, but if we don't ask, um, if you want to be a part, everybody wants to be a part of something because everything is awesome when you're part of a team. Hallelujah. Y'all must have watched the Lego movie. I try to put it in these chords. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Amen. The body of Christ has gotten better because somebody's getting saved. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 We we are